0: Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. Good morning. Oh, is everyone awake this morning? Oh, yeah, I know uh, I lost an hour just like y'all did, but I'm glad to be here. And you know they say it's time to spring forward. It's the reminder, right? Springtime, you move the clock forward, fall back. But it feels like for whatever reason, I don't know, the, t- the temperature just got it backwards, didn't it? It seemed like the temperature decided to fall back. I, I've been used to the 60, 70 degrees we had a little bit earlier in February. Uh, I'm, a, I'm done with this. We can... And, and the wind, so I'm thankful that too, that, to see some of you here, I know, who were without power Wednesday. It was a little blustery, wasn't it? And I know some of you lost power during Wednesday's uh, windstorm, but hey, we've got the power back, and the power's here this morning, the power of the risen and the resurrected Jesus Christ, and I'm glad for that. I feel his presence in our sanctuary this morning, and uh, I just am looking forward to all he's going to do this morning as we continue in Matthew's Gospel. We've been looking through Matthew's Gospel the past number of weeks saying, hey, do you see Jesus? The, the people that he was ministering to, even though he was right there in their presence, they missed really who he truly was. They missed that he was God incarnate. Some of them missed uh, that he was God in the flesh. Many just openly rejected that, even though the, they had proof and evidence right in front of them. Those witnessing uh, the acts in the ministry of Jesus, they didn't recognize him as the promised Savior. They were even asking, you know, could it be? Some of them, after seeing so many great things that Jesus did, they asked the question, is this really? Is this really? Could it be? We want to talk about that, or I'm going to hit on that this morning with uh, all Jesus was accomplishment, accomplishing uh, that we've been talking about. I want to take you back to just where he was in the past number of weeks that we were talking. Jesus was up in this northern area of Judea, the upper regions of Galilee, and Jesus was accomplishing great things. He was doing quite a bit. He was healing the lame. He was giving sight to the blind. He was opening the mouths of those who were mute. He was even raising the dead. You can read about the synagogue leader, Jairus' daughter, who Jesus raised from the dead. He was doing all these great works. So it was on a day where he wasn't really doing a grand miracle. He was just walking through a grain field, and His disciples were with Him. It happened to be the Sabbath day, the day of rest, and some of His disciples grabbed some of the heads of grain, and they began to eat them because they were hungry. Now, they had just broken a rule of the Sabbath day, the day of rest. They weren't supposed to be working, and some of the really strict legalists of the Jewish faith considered that work. They considered that a violation of the Holy Day. And it was that some of these leaders, they called the Pharisees, witnessed Jesus' disciples pulling these heads of grain. And so they called them out. Hey, what's up with that? Your your guys are breaking the Sabbath rules. And Jesus Jesus pointed out their hypocrisy. He said, if your sheep fell into a ditch and it was a Sabbath day, wouldn't you pull them out? Wouldn't you do a good thing even for your sheep on the Sabbath day? And he said, didn't even the priests in the work that they did in the temple on the Sabbath desecrate these rules? So really, for a good thing to happen, Someone who's hungry to be fed, that's really not a violation. And then without missing a beat, Jesus healed a lame man because these Pharisees were even saying that to do a good deed like healing a person who was infirmed wouldn't be right because it was a Sabbath day. So Jesus healed this man right in front of their eyes. He had a lame arm and Jesus said, stretch out your hand. And that incensed these pharisees they were angry because jesus showed them very gently very humbly how wrong they were so what did they do they began to plot they began to plot to kill jesus but jesus went on he went on from their healing and it was right after this incident where these pharisees began to plot to kill jesus and he continues in his healing, that there is this this odd reference in the Gospel of Matthew. And it's in the way that Jesus instructs these people who had been healed. It just seems a bit out of sorts. And I want to look at that this morning and discuss what what the Apostle Matthew was really trying to get across to us and that he looked back to the Old Testament and he said this strange saying that Jesus made, it was actually prophesied in the Old Testament. So we're at Matthew chapter 12. And I want to read verses 15 to 24. You've got a little bit of the background. Jesus has been accused of being a lawbreaker, a Sabbath rule breaker, and these Pharisees are plotting to kill him. So in Matthew chapter 12, verse 15, it reads, aware of this, and that's aware that the Pharisees were plotting to kill him. Jesus withdrew from that place. A large crowd followed him, and he healed all who were ill. He warned them not to tell others about him. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love, in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will proclaim justice. To the nations, he will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick he will not snuff out, till he has brought justice through to victory. In his name the nations will put their hope. Then they brought him a demon possessed man who was blind and mute, and Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see all the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? But when the Pharisees heard this, they said, it is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this fellow drives out demons. So Jesus, he healed all who were ill, and then he gave them this very interesting directive. And it just seems a little strange. He warned them not to tell others about him. And this wasn't the first time we read this in Matthew's Gospel. A few chapters back, you can read the same instruction, Matthew chapter 9. It's almost the same situation. Jesus heals someone. He says, don't tell anybody about him." And then a demon-possessed person is brought to him and he heals them. And it just seems This goes against his mission. Don't tell anyone. Is he really saying this? Is he really saying, don't tell people about me? And if he is, what's that all about? What's up with that? I thought Jesus wanted us to spread the good news. I thought he wanted the word to go out. Well, he does. He does. But this situation was different. And I want us to think about what what occurred immediately after Jesus gave this instruction. A blind man, a mute man, a man possessed by a demon is brought to Jesus, and he's healed. And the Pharisees who have witnessed this very miracle, they say, oh, that was by the devil. That was by Beelzebul. That's how this, this man casts out demons and if this is how some who witness this very miracle are going to talk about Jesus, how much other misinformation might be spread by even those who witnessed the miracle and had good things to say about it? People hear what they want to hear, don't they? They twist words. They twist the facts. Recently in our own culture, when people do this and misinformation goes out, it's take it on the name. It's called fake news. I mean, you've heard a lot about fake news, haven't you? Misinformation, half-truths, hoaxes, propaganda, complete fabrications. And certain people take it all in. They take it as complete truth. Well, the real truth is hard to find, isn't it? It's hard to find in the louder and the louder voices that are proclaiming something false, in the voices, in the many voices that bring the fake news of the day, the truth gets lost in there somewhere. And Jesus didn't need that headache. He didn't need the crowds of people coming to him for all the wrong reasons. On the one hand, the fake news of the Pharisees. They're out there saying, hey, this guy, he's just, he's, He heals by the power of the devil. Jesus doesn't need that. He doesn't need more enemies coming against him. And then on the other hand, these people that have witnessed the grand miracles and the physical healings, well, they're not telling the complete story. They're talking about this miracle worker. They're talking about this man who, he's got the power to heal. But what else? And Jesus is seemingly not wanting these crowds of people coming for the wrong reasons. Sure, he had the power to heal. And yes, he has the power to heal today. He can heal our bodies. But Jesus Christ had a greater mission than this physical healing. Last week, we spoke about how Jesus was ridiculed by these leaders of the Jews, these Pharisees. Why? Because he was eating with sinners and tax collectors. But Jesus gave a a direct response to them. He said, I'm not come for the healthy, but the sick. And he used that analogy of physical ailment and physical uh, sickness to make a greater point. Because he continued, he said, I've not come for the righteous, but for sinners. And there's the primary purpose. Therein lies the reason that Jesus left heaven and came to earth. Because he was providing a way to overcome sin. That was the greater message. That's the message that needed to get out. And amidst all this healing and and these Pharisees accusing him of things and fake news getting out, Jesus said, "Don't, don't go tell everyone about this. Don't tell them about me even though he was healing the lame and giving sight to the blind and and opening the mouths of the mute and raising the dead. He was doing this for a reason. He was doing this for a purpose. He was doing this to show he had the authority to relieve and to forgive sin. In Mark chapter 2 in Luke chapter 5 and Matthew chapter 9, there is an account. It's a parallel account. It's the same account And all three of these gospel writers put it in their record. They talked about a man who was paralyzed being brought to Jesus to be healed. They all give little details. Luke says when they brought the man, they dropped him through the roof of a house because there was just such a crowd around Jesus and they couldn't get there. And now these Pharisees, those hypocritical leaders of the Jewish religion, they thought that Jesus was a blasphemer. Because he said to the man, the very first words he said to the man is, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Blasphemy, they said. How can he do that? Only God can forgive sins. And Jesus knew their thoughts, and he knew what they were saying. And he said, I want you to know I have the authority on earth to forgive sins. And he said to the man, get up and walk. Get up and walk through this physical healing, through the power of the miracle Jesus was showing that he had the authority to forgive sins on earth. And first and foremost, that's his primary purpose. That's the reason he came here to earth. It had to do with sin. He came to earth to relieve mankind of this burden that we're carrying. Sin interfered between man and his creator, God. God And man could not be in harmony because of man's sinful ways. So Jesus came to deal with that sin, and he offered this way of pardon. We sung all about it this morning. I once was lost, but now I'm found. He came. Calvary covers it all. Jesus, that was his primary purpose, to, to bring us forgiveness of sin. When he was alive and he was walking on this earth, he preached it. He ultimately put his life on the line because of it. Sin was that serious. It was that much of a problem that Jesus Christ gave his life as an offering for sin. The cost he paid and covered. So when he healed the sick, when he made these great miracles, sometimes he gave this instruction. Tell no one. It's not really what it's it's all about. And in the passage we read, Matthew makes a point to tell us, to tell us that this was foretold. This was actually prophesied. Matthew added an explanation, and I think it was for not only the benefit of his first readers, but it's a great benefit to us. He wrote that Jesus warned them not to tell others about him, and that just seems so out of place. And it, it needs an explanation. So Matthew adds for us an explanation, and that's a great thing. You know, sometimes I'm talking And I need somebody to explain it. And hey, isn't that why we get married? You know, we have spouses. They explain us. Oh, you know that? Really? He's just trying to be funny. Or, you know, uh, she's, I'll tell you why she's, let me explain her to you. You know, sometimes we need somebody to explain us. We're saying things that are just maybe a little bit out of sorts. You know, sometimes it's a boss, too. Have you ever worked for somebody that needed explanation? I and mean, I had a boss that, really, it was boss speak. And at certain meetings, when there was new people there, they'd come out just, what did he, what are we supposed to do? Let me explain it to you. Let me tell you what he said. Is that what he said? Really? That's what he said, yes. Yeah, let me just, you know, I know it was foggy. It says a lot of words, but it needs explanation. So sometimes when, there, when there's uh, something we don't understand, it's good. And Matthew is. He's a great gospel writer for us because Jesus said something here that just seemed a little bit out of place. It seemed weird. Hey, don't go tell anybody. Let me give you the explanation. This was prophesied about in the Old Testament. And he quoted from Isaiah chapter 42. And I want to read from Isaiah. I want to read the quote. We read it in the gospel. Let's read the quote from Isaiah 42. It's the first four verses, Isaiah 42, 1 through 4, that Matthew's offering is an explanation why Jesus said, don't go tell anyone. Here is my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. Till he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching, the islands will put their hope. <clears throat> Jesus didn't, he didn't need crowds of people coming to him for all the wrong reasons. And in reading this passage from Matthew, where he quoted Isaiah, we get another sense of what Jesus was telling these, these followers of him. He didn't come to earth to broadcast. His physical, miracle-working power. He wasn't here to blow his own horn. He wasn't here to shout or cry out, as Isaiah wrote. He will not raise his voice in the street, saying, hey, come look at me. I'm the great miracle worker. You know, I'm setting up a tent down at the end of the street to have a a, a miracle service. Oh, he wasn't doing that. He didn't come for accolades because he he was this great uh, miracle worker. He wasn't here to be hailed as that miracle healer. His desire was that we would make him Lord of our life. And that was open to everyone. That was open to every single person. That was a universal, arms-open, wide invitation to all. Isaiah's prophecy sort of has it bookended, mentions the nations. That the nations would hear him. The nations would put their hope in him. Or the islands, it says in Isaiah, Matthew says the nations, it's all people. This has been pointed out several times in Matthew's gospel. Even though Matthew, he was writing towards the Jews and he had this Jewish audience in mind, he's saying, hey, Jesus is here for everyone. His message is open to all. In other words, it's the Jews, it's the non-Jews, it's the Gentiles, it's everybody. Justice for the nations, hope for all. Matthew wants his readers to see Jesus as this savior for all, welcoming every single person. He wants us to see him as the author of life, but not just physical life, eternal life. And our worship of Jesus Christ should begin because we believe, we see him as the author of eternal life. We should worship him because he has given us this great, great eternal destination to be in his presence because he took care of sin. Because we believe, we believe that he came as As the chosen servant. That's what Isaiah said. See, this is my chosen servant. Jesus is the chosen one. He is the Son of God. He came to do the Father's will, and he served by giving his very life on that hill that's called Calvary. And what does that result in? It results in eternal life for us who say, yes, I see it. I will come to you and give you my life and my heart, and I'll turn myself over to you and I'll put behind me the junk and the, and the sin and the things that I've been trying to do to make it right. Jesus once healed a man who was blind from birth. And the Pharisees, they were angry with the man. They were angry with the man. Here, this, this, this poor guy's been blind since birth, he gets healed. And now these Pharisees take him to task. Who is this guy that healed you? What's he all about? He's just a sinner. They accuse Jesus of being a sinner. They got in this big discussion about sin. And the man said, I, "I, I don't know. I don't know. You can say this guy is a sinner, but I'll tell you what. He opened my eyes. And would God have listened to him if he were a sinner?" Well, the Pharisees, you know what they did? They threw the guy out. Hey, eh, just get out of here. So they couldn't refute the man. Now, sometime later, Jesus happens upon this same man who he had healed, who had been ridiculed by the Pharisees. And he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? And in other words, this, this was a figure of speech. And do you believe that man is son of God? Do you believe in the man who is the son of God? And this fellow said to Jesus, well, show him to me. Well, now he had been healed of blindness. And Jesus said, you're looking at him. You see him. He is the one talking to you. This is in John chapter 9. And I just give you what occurred Right after this, and it's John nine thirty eight. Then the man said, "Lord, I believe," and he worshipped him. Now Jesus did not rebuke the man. We don't read Jesus said, "Stop worshiping me." He didn't say, "Don't tell anybody." He didn't say, "Don't don't do this uh, in public." None of that. The man had acknowledged Jesus Christ as Lord. And this was the beginning of his worship. Sure, he was excited. He had his eyes healed of blindness. He even defended Jesus to the Pharisees. But it was when Jesus said, hey, the Lord of life is right before you. Do you believe it? And the man began to worship him. And that's where worship of our Savior begins, that that we know that he's our Savior of our soul for eternity. That's his primary purpose. Yes, he's able to heal us physically, that's a for sure. But let's not make that part of our testimony the primary part of our testimony. The primary part of our testimony is that our soul has been saved for eternity. And that's the distinction Matthew was pointing out by explaining Jesus warned them not to tell others about him. Salvation from sin is primary. The rest of that, that's added. That's added love and benefit, but it's not primary. And then there's more to this short little passage that Matthew quoted from Isaiah. The prophet went on, and Matthew quoted him, a bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will break. He will not snuff out. And there's a picture here. There's a picture here of who Jesus is reaching out to. Last week we read, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but it's the sick. And this is a similar picture. We don't read here of a tall, strong oak tree. We don't read of a cedar of Lebanon. No, it's a reed. The picture is a reed a thin, brittle, little, hollow stick that's been bruised. It's ready to snap into. We don't read of a furnace blasting like the one King Nebuchadnezzar used. We don't read about a pillar of fire like the one that was uh, leading the uh, Hebrew people. No, we read about a wick barely lit, this smoldering little wick in a lamp, ready to be blown out. The picture here is not of the strong. It's not of the healthy. it's, It's of the needy. It's of the downtrodden. The Pharisees had beaten down the people. The Pharisees had burdened them with rules and regulations that no person could keep. And Jesus and his disciples, they were no different in the eyes of the, uh, of the Pharisees. They had been accused before this incident, just before it, they'd been accused of being lawbreakers, Sabbath breakers. Ah, you're picking heads of grain. You're breaking the rule of the Sabbath day. Under all these rules of righteousness, the state of the souls of the people, it was, it was like, it was like a, a reed ready to snap in two. They're carrying all this weight. They're like a flame ready to blow out because none of them could follow all these rules. Of course, they would be barely able to stay lit. But here's Jesus, and his mission is different. It's not one of burden and weight, no, it's one of tenderness. He's reaching out to the downtrodden, he's reaching out to to these that are beaten and and broken and, and carrying something they shouldn't be carrying. And it's hard enough to be under the burden of sin than to be saddled with all these man-made rules of righteousness in order to take care of sin. That's a weight that no person can carry. And it's a burden that Jesus asks no person to bear. And even today, many try. They try salvation by works. They try good works. Many believe they can set their course and chart their own destiny and do their own thing. And that leads to two ends. It just leads to the self-righteousness of the Pharisee who is blinded by his sanctimonious ways. Or the other end is just, it's never enough. It's never enough. Going to be enough. You can work and you can do a good deed, and it's not going to be enough to win your righteousness because you cannot earn your salvation. It's never going to work, and you're eventually going to snap or flame out. And it's happening today, this morning. I read this, this story in the, the news, and I, it just seemed to fit. From North Carolina, The headline had to do with a district attorney firing two assistant prosecutors. But it had to do with a church. It was interesting. The assistant prosecutors, they were dismissed by a North Carolina district attorney because they'd been accused of helping in their church, helping disrupt a social services investigation into some abuse that allegedly went on in the church but this is, the, this is the line that caught my eye. During on-record interviews, the ex-members of the church said that they had endured decades of physical and emotional abuse inside the church, including being punched, choked, and thrown through walls as part of a violent form of deliverance meant to purify sinners. And I really hope that's fake news. I, I, I you know, it's... it's it says these are uh, people, and you know, I don't know if they have an axe to grind or what, but you know, think about that, to be thrown or punched or uh, to, be, to have your sin beaten out of you. That's a burden we shouldn't be bearing. That's not the mission of Jesus. Jesus came gentle. Jesus came tender. And just before this, this incident in the, the Gospel of Matthew, we read that Jesus said, come unto me all you who, who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my burden, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, and you'll find rest for your souls. And, and I think Matthew put that there and then followed through with this narrative of Jesus being accused of breaking the Sabbath rules, and then the quote from Isaiah, a tender reed. A bruised reed, he will not break. A smoldering wick, he will not extinguish or snuff out. No, because he's coming gentle and meek and lowly. He's not here to beat the sin out of us. Now, my dad tried that a little bit. And he didn't physically beat me. But he did grab me by the ear. And he dragged me along to, to a catechism class. It just didn't work. It did not work. Coming to Jesus Christ, it's a matter of the heart. You know, we've got to come to that ourselves. Now, I know my father and my mother, they tried their best. And despite the fact, and I remember the day, I remember the day, my dad looked at me, he said, you're going. You're going. And there's... No buts about it. And I said, oh, all right, okay. And I, I remembered some things from that class. Sure, some things got into me. But my faith truly didn't become my own faith until the day that I yielded my own heart to Jesus, till the day that I saw him as my Savior. And, and, and my sin couldn't be beaten out of me It wasn't going to change because my father made me do something or my mother made me do something. No, it was when I realized it in my own heart. And so it was after Jesus' disciples were accused of being lawbreakers, and Matthew gave us this great commentary to to his miracles to help us. And that quote from the Old Testament, it informs us. It helps us because the people at that time didn't get it. But we've got this extra benefit of the apostle explaining to us that Jesus is gentle, that he's meek, that he's humble. And if we just come to him sincerely, it was the fulfillment of the prophetic writing. We get the benefit of this addition by Matthew. And it, it, it explains for us better the life and the ministry of Jesus. And I think it's great. We learn that Jesus didn't come to be lauded and applauded for all of his physical miracles. No, he came to save souls, burdened with sin. And his salvation is not exclusive. It's open to you and to me and to anybody, to anybody that would call on him to the nations, he said. And his approach was one of tender gentleness, not, not wanting to add to a burden we already were carrying. Quite the opposite. His aim was to lift that burden of sin and to offer and to give eternal life. And even though these Pharisees went about to plot to kill him, he kept on healing. He kept on. You know, we read this, and I, I just want to revisit the end of that passage we read, Matthew 12, 22 and 23. Then they brought him a demon-possessed man who was blind and mute. And Jesus healed him so that he could both talk and see. And all the people were astonished and said, could this be the son of David? Could this be the promised king in the line of king david could he be the king of kings the lord of lords could this be the son of god the people were still asking the question this reiterates why jesus said don't go don't go telling they didn't have the full story they didn't get it completely they didn't see him as lord of lords and king of kings they were still asking could this be could it be? And here Jesus came upon this bruised reed. He came upon a smoldering wick, a man blind and mute and demon-possessed, a poor, destitute person. Jesus didn't pass him by. Jesus didn't break the man either. He didn't ignore him. He didn't see him as hopeless and just leave him to flame out. No, he healed him. And the people asked, could this be the Son of God? They were still questioning, still asking. And I know many of us here, many of us here, if we were asked the same question, we can answer, we get it. We've seen Jesus Christ for who he is. We have the advantage of the Gospels, the complete record. We have the advantage of the full New Testament, We have the advantage of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Our hearts have been touched. We believe with all our heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And we understand he came to this world as a servant, gentle and humble and meek, doing the will of his Father. And his primary reason was to forgive us of our sin and save our souls and offer us eternal life. And so we turn to him in repentance. And he granted that to us. And we know, we know that when that occurs, there's healing for the sick soul. And that sick soul gains eternity. So many of us here today, we see Jesus as that Savior. And we know too, we know too that he is able. He is able to heal physically. He is able to deliver from infirmities, and addictions, and we can pray for that. And these altars are, are, are open for that this morning. I want to ask our, all of our elders and our ministers to come to these altars now. But before any of you come for a physical prayer, I want to ask, is there anyone in this room this morning that's still confused about the question. Are you still asking this question? Are you asking, could this be the Son of God? Could it be? Could he be? I'm I'm here to tell you this morning that Jesus is the healer of the bruised. And he can reignite a, a, a flickering flame. His mission was first and foremost for the bruised soul And for the smoldering spirit and his primary purpose was that that bruised soul and that flickering dimming spirit could be healed could be brightened and could gain eternal life is your soul bruised this morning has the flame of your spirit are you feeling it dim have you been trying to carry a weight that you shouldn't be carrying a burden that you needn't bear you're trying to do it your own way you're trying to win righteousness earn salvation no matter how hard you work at it at being good and righteous the only way to be clear and clean is to turn to Jesus Christ he's not going to break you he's not going to put a burden on you you can't bear he's not going to extinguish you the Son of God, the Chosen One. He's here for you to put your hope in Him, in the nation. The nations will put their hope in His name was the word that we read. And you can put your hope in Jesus this morning. If you're still asking, can He be the, the Son of God? Settle that this morning. Settle that. Take care of the eternal before you seek the temporal. If you have a physical need, he'll touch you. I believe it with all my heart. But if you need that soul touched first, take care of it. You can come to these altars too. And you can ask any one of these elders, what should I do? Can you help me? They're here to help you. They're here to to speak to you and talk to you and even pray with you. If you're here to give your soul over to Jesus. And if you need a physical healing, you need a touch. You have an issue. And you've already settled that. Come on now. These altars are open, and we invite you to come and receive a prayer, and anointing from these elders. And if you're going to remain in your seats, I just ask that you would, let's keep an attitude of worship here in prayer as we invite the Holy Spirit into our midst to meet these needs this morning. Father, Thank you for this opportunity. Lord, I pray that you would bless all these elders. Lord, use them as channels of your blessing. Use them, God, this morning to bless each one who comes. Father, may your Holy Spirit work through them. May the gentle touch of our Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ be evident this morning. Be evident in this house. Come now, fount of every blessing, we pray. We pray that you would be in our midst. We pray that you'd be in the midst of each one who comes, Lord. We pray that your spirit would be, in, would be here, Lord. We pray that it would be tangible. Lord, do a great work today among your people. God, we invite your presence and we thank you. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen.